podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to 1874, the podcast. Greg Evans and myself are here to dissect Aston Villa 3, Crystal Palace 1 in a little moment. But before we do that, let's hear from our sponsors, NordVPN. If you guys are getting fed up with missing live football, then our new show sponsor, NordVPN, might be able to help you out. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile, and smart TV. If you want to watch, let's say, some U.S. content, it allows you to appear like you're in that country. And while you're connected, no one can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. The service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty dab handy. A part of NordVPN supporting 1874, the Aston Villa channel, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free, which also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to www.1874.io forward slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details will also be in the description. And as always, we are truly grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight. But if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help us to keep the channel running. Thank you very much to our sponsors, NordVPN, for continuing to back the show. Greg, welcome. Always look primed for golf. Just if you were to get a call to go and play golf now, you could just run off and do it. Always dressed for golf, Greg. You can only see the top half of me, though, so you don't uh, know what I've got underneath. You don't, you don't, you, you don't want to say what I've got underneath here, in, in fairness. How are you, okay? Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was a good day. Um, been a good week. Uh, great results yesterday. Lots of good football, actually, yesterday, I think, wasn't there? Yeah. Quite, quite enjoyed. Uh, don't, it's very rare, actually, I get to watch match of the day these days. Um, tend to sort of just look back on, on games sort of directly after the games. Uh, if I'm not there, or then go through some on a Sunday, but I actually, actually had some time watching match of the day last night, which was which was quite fun, and yeah, some good games to catch up on, and yeah, a good great result for Villa. I think, as I said in the podcast last week uh, or two weeks ago, before the international break, I wasn't too concerned after the Liverpool game. Um, I felt that Villa would make amends in this Palace game, and yeah, they left it late, but but they got there in the end. Yes, some some sensational light shows in the in, in the Premier League yesterday. Before we do get into the game, Greg, we've had a super chat comment from Sir Unai Emery. I don't think it is Sir Unai Emery, but we'll answer it because he's paid money to, to, to make the comment. So thank you very much, Sir Unai Emery. So we've both got to pick who is the best player in our team. I know who you, I absolutely know who you're going to say. And I think I probably agree with you even more so after yesterday, but who, who is it, Greg? <laughs> no, I mean, look, I always say I me mean, Martinez, don't know, but I always go for Martinez. But I think just the way that um, Abba, uh, Musa Diaby is playing now, I think that 
I think that he's the the, the real star player for Villa now. I wanted to get to, um, get onto him at some point in the pod, but now now we've uh, now we've got the opportunity to talk about him. Now I think I'll just go into a tiny tiny little bit of detail. But I just think that the the biggest compliment I can pay him is that <clears throat> his uh, decision making is brilliant. He always makes the right decisions in the right in the moments that really matter. Um, tends to find players with with the right passes. Um, you know, okay. Look, he was a yard offside, or half a yard, or whatever it is, a foot. I don't know. Um, offside, for, 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 yeah, yeah. Some tiny for his goals, and you could say, well, his decision making wasn't great there. But look, that, those are tiny, tiny fine margins. I just think when he's in important positions, he's able to find players and, and set up chances, and I think that's what um, he's giving Villa such a threat now going forward. He's, he's just able to stretch defenses in a way that. Wingers, you know, that I've watched at Villa haven't really been able to in the past. Uh, he, in some ways, he reminds me of Ashley Young, but I just think he's a little bit, he's, he's got, a, he's a little bit different. Um, it's the sheer pace, and yeah, mm. Ashley Young was really quick in in his day, but I think Diaby's quicker. I just think the sheer pace makes him such a threat. Um, and we've seen wingers of different kinds over the years, you know, Old Brighton, Draper. Um, you know, El Ghazi, Milner, you can go through all the different ones. I just think he's something really different and really special. I'm not having you say that Mark Draper was a winger. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not. I don't know where that name came from. <laughs> in head, but I can't allow that. I meant all Brighton, not Mark Draper. He's <laughs> the Mark. Oh, yeah. I can't allow you to have that one on our, on, on our podcast. Greg, you, you're right about DRB. He's so dynamic and so direct, and he, he carries that pace. And you're completely right in saying that he is a winger. But I think the way Emery utilises him and the way he plays him quite centrally and he, he can drift, it makes him even more dangerous. And I'm just, I find it mad that Villa's first choice signing for that position in the in the summer, was it? You know, we, we spoke all summer about they, mm. they, they wanted Williams. Diaby's kind of, not the finished article because he's, he's still young, but <clears throat> he's a more complete player that, that, than Williams and has completely transformed the way Villa can attack, like you say. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's you know, it's hard to say whether, whether Martinez would have been... Um, uh, any better? Uh, sorry, Williams would have been any better. Bloody, I'm, getting, on, my, I'm getting my names. Getting got a golf like this because he's primed for golf. Just in case. I'm not used to these Sunday mornings. I'm fresh as well. So no, I've been I've drinking. I was drank no all excuse. day and all night yesterday, and I've managed to get up and I can get names right. So there's no excuse for you. <laughs> so Mark Draper and uh, Nico Nico Martinez. Yeah, that's <laughs> Do working really really well at the moment. Do really good. Uh, no, but look on a serious note, Williams. We we didn't. We obviously don't know whether he would have been any better. You know, you've got to trust Emery in the fact that he wanted him. Um, wasn't able to get him. And sometimes, look, this, that, that's how it works in football. You know, teams do not get their first choice target. And then often they have to go down to like their third, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh target sometimes. And and and, and sometimes it just on. works out to... <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just works out to be better. And look, however they came upon Diaby, and we've talked about that in detail before, you know, it was... Emery said to his data team and the recruitment team, look, please, can you recommend a couple of players who are very similar to Williams and um, and then we can analyse them and, and, and go from there. Obviously, he worked with uh, Diaby at, at PSG, so he knew all about him anyway, knew about his potential. And it was a combined effort and something that Villa worked together on as a group to um, to, 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 to bring him him over to the club, and yeah, they paid a little bit more than they were than they were expected, but it looks like good value now, doesn't it? Because I think he's a he's a real game changer for Villa. Yeah, I'm going to give the the Greg Evans answer. I'm going to Emmy Martinez. Martinez yeah. That's just, why Martinez was in my head. <laughs> honestly, he made two saves yesterday that probably on the face of it didn't look like world class saves, but where I was sat mm. yesterday, the the lob from Eza that he managed mm. to just 
pull, pour down and then and then <clears> catch. <throat> that was such a good save live. I haven't seen it, I haven't seen it back, but it was such a good save live and at such a pivotal point, such such a crucial time. He made a couple of saves to to keep it at one nil, and then we all know Villa go on and, and win the game. He, he is just world class. He's easily one of the best goalkeepers in the world and, and a goalkeeper that Villa are very lucky to have, albeit that Villa are one of the main reasons he is one of the best goalkeepers in the world because they've developed him so well over the last the last three to four years. Let's talk about the game then. Greg Villa made it 10 home wins on the spin. I thought it was nine, but everyone else seems to be saying it. Was nine Premier League games, 10 in all Premier competitions. League. Yeah, oh, so I mean, look, you know, the, the Premier League ones are we'll the ones on. that matter. But, we'll um, on anyway. you know, 10 sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah, we'll go with, we'll go with 10 in a row. And Villa were actually better in the first half, I thought in the first half, Villa played some some lovely football. Just couldn't put the ball in the back in the back of the net. And actually, I didn't think we were as good in in the second half. It got a bit frantic, frantic at times. But in that first half, I sat there just thinking, we got some really good players. Mm. We're a really good footballing team. The way we move the ball around, the way we you know pass and progress and opened Palace up and manipulate situations to create chances. I just watched us and thought, we're a really good team we are. Yeah, I agree. It was it was well orchestrated, wasn't it? You could tell that you know they'd worked. Uh, the team had been working on certain passages of play, and 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 every player almost knows their role now. Um, I stuck a tweet out last night about Paul Torres. Now I know he was at fault for the for the goal, um, or certainly you know part of the the reason that Villa conceded. Again, it it goes back to that physical aspect, doesn't it? That we've spoken about a lot. He he's a little bit weak at times when he when he's up against uh, when he's up against strikers. And okay, Mateta's a big boy. You know, he's going to bully most um, centre halves when it comes when it comes to that. But you just feel like he's just lacking a little bit physically. Do you think um, it was to do with physicality yesterday? That goal. Well, he was kind off. of brushed off the ball, wasn't he? Just a bit too easy. I thought he was brilliant all round yesterday, Pau Torres. I thought on the ball, he was. I saw you tweet on the ball, which you'll come on to, I'm sure. I thought he was mm. brilliant. I felt that goal wasn't so much to do with physicality. He almost needs to not be coming as far as, he, as he's come. He's put himself in a no-win situation because Mateta is stronger than him. I thought it was a bit rash to come up and, and get so tight. A bit too high. To Mateta, I think, yeah, <clears throat> a bit high. I think... Well, look, let's let's take it back a, a step. I think it, it all builds into the frustration, perhaps, that Villa had in the first half of not getting ahead. Um, now, Villa are going to come up against different opponents uh, who play different ways this season. And I think Palace are one of the maybe three or four teams that are going to come to Villa Park or go to away games um, and sit quite deep and try and hit teams on the counter-attack. And just play that almost low block and try and not concede first and foremost. They're the complete opposite to say Burnley, aren't they? Whereas if you look at Palace's players, they could probably play the way that Burnley play better than Burnley do. Yet they've got a manager that clearly wants to set up that way. It's quite efficient. They pick up more points doing it that way and they'd started the season quite well. So fair enough. Um, But the first half didn't quite go to plan for Villa. Missed a couple of opportunities. Didn't take the lead. So... When they came out in the second half, they were they were quite aggressive, I thought, from the kickoff. And you could see the high line sort of creeping higher and higher and higher. And they were almost forcing it. I think Torres had more touches than well, he did have more touches than anybody. <clears throat> Excuse me, between the second half kickoff and the palace goal. And he was just trying to force it a little bit too much. He'd played a couple of short passes, gone back to Emi Martinez a couple of times, played a few over the top, one diagonal over to Cash, I think it was. Um, 
And it just felt like they were trying to force it a little bit too much. So they were really high when when Palace then came at them and broke. And Palace were the complete opposite to what Villa did. It was bang, 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 three or four passes. And all of a sudden, they're, you know, in on goal almost. Um, so, yeah, I'll take your point. I think Torres was a little bit too high. But then when he is too high, he just he's just a little bit too weak. Um, and he'll look back on that goal and he'll know that he'll be disappointed in it. Um, but fortunately, you know, Villa were able to go and get the job done later on in the game. Um, and Torres, for, for for what it's worth, all of his his passing was brilliant. You know, he had yeah. the most passes into the final third of any single player uh, this season. It was 25 passes into the final third from a centre-back. And, you know, the, the next one behind him was... Um, uh, Enzo Fernandez for, for for Chelsea in one of the earlier games that they had played. So that's the you know that's the level you're looking at. You're looking at almost a, a centre midfielder in the way that he plays the game. Um, he's going to co- create a lot of chances for Villa. He's going to help build um, their attacking play throughout the course of this season. Um, and look, if he can work, well, I'm not say work on his defending defending because he's still a good defender. It's just mm. in those little moments it isn't quite going for him. Um, you know, but we we seen Ezri Konza have issues like that when he first joined Villa and, and look at him now. So it's it's he's not a young player, but he's new to the Premier League. So he's gonna start he's gonna be learning. And if Villa can win three out of five games like they have done this season while he's learning on the job, I think they're gonna be in a really good position. You've got to accept really now at this point that he's a unique centre-half. There isn't really anyone else like him. If he was playing for, for, for Manchester City, the way he plays football would be getting absolutely raved about, but he wouldn't have to do as much defending yeah. as he's having to do at Villa. I will say in the second <clears> half, he made a great re- recovery kind of interception slash block again at, at, at 1-0, I think it was at, at the time where, where he got back in and, and the Crystal Palace chance dis- disappeared because he'd managed to, to cover off. I think Conter had got, got beaten and he managed managed to cover it off. But he's just such a unique centre-back. And for you to say that, you know, statistically about the passes into the, to the final third, no, he's the head of a midfielder that Chelsea have spent £100 million pounds mm. on. That's, look, that's and, incredible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and that that's the reason, you know, you know, Emery was so determined to sign him. You know, it, Emery wants Villa to play in a certain way. He wants them to be a possession-based team. To, to dominate the game, to be on the front foot. And they're getting there now, aren't they? I mean, you know, it's it, it, Villa Park is a genuine fortress now. We yeah, can really safely is. say that now. You know, Villa, Villa are seeing off the, the lower-ranked teams pretty easily. OK, it was late in the day yesterday, but, you know, the extra time, the, the time-wasting from Palace, that, that allowed Villa the extra time that, you know, they deserve to go and get the job done. And, and they did, you know, they've got game changers they can turn to off the bench, which we'll get onto shortly, I'm sure. Um, the, you know, the starting 11 is, is very strong <clears throat> and they've got a clear way of working. Um, I think I think what Emery wants Villa to do, they're getting there. There are times where I'm looking at him on sidelines and he's still getting frustrated, but I don't think he's ever get I don't think he's ever gonna not be frustrated unless Villa are able to produce the kind of performance they did when they beat Newcastle three 0 last year, for example. That's the only time really I've I've seen him quite calm because uh, literally everything went to plan. But football's just not like that. You know, there are gonna be moments in games where you have to grind it out, where you have to change your plan slightly and, you know, sometimes just kick it long. Or sometimes just kick it into touch. You know that that's just how it works. Emery wants he did not every... like it when Matty Cash kicked the ball into touch. No, <laughs> no. But every 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 moment he wants to be perfect, but it just doesn't work like that. They have to time. There have to be times where you ride it out, and that's what you know. Essentially, Villa did yesterday. 
no, Global Pilot's asking us. I met Global Pilot actually in the in the Holt Suite, and he was a was a was a lovely man. Asking about about Zaniola. Obviously, Zaniola came into the in the eleven. Dave Reid and myself <clears> speculated about whether whether he would whether he or Tillemans would would come into the team and there'd be something to freshen it up. It turns out that it was Zaniola that played from the left. McGinn moved back to where I would say he's better on the right. He's again talk about Paul Torres being unique. Zaniolo's very unique as well. Yeah. But he's got a lot of stuff that that I like. Presses very well. Not afraid of of getting his foot in, which is which is rare for like a number ten flair player. And because of his frame and his size, like he's very good on the ball. But he can just like kind of bat people off because he's yeah. he's so big. He's a he's going to be a, a useful player for Villa, I think, when he gets up to speed properly. Yeah, I think so. I think that's key, isn't it? He's he, he's not up to speed yet. It's pretty clear, isn't it? You know, he's he's sort of up and down in games, has some good moments and then you kind of wonder oh, what's happened there. I thought, likes a back heel. Yeah, he likes a, he likes a fancy flick, doesn't he? You can see that. But I think having someone like that in the team, because Diaby's not really that quite a player, not really that type of player. He's, he's very efficient. That's why I go back to my earlier conversation about Diaby. I think that um, he just, he just, he doesn't mess about. He gets he gets the ball in the right position, and then he he's able to you know find a teammate or go and do something destructive. Zaniola wants to do a little bit more, which I think is fine. Um, Villa have the freedom to have that luxury type player. I think at the moment, um, I like the way he's able to sort of back into defenders and yeah. win fouls um, and be quite strong and hold the ball and, and hold up play to that effect. I think I think he's good at that. Um, I do think he tries to overplay a little bit. He gave away possession a few too many times yesterday. Um, Emery will work on that, but though, it, but he's going he's going to have good moments, isn't he? He's going to be he's going to be an exciting player, and I think I think yeah, I think he's going to be one that will enjoy watching. Yeah, in that first half, Villa, Villa did a lot of things really really well, except for the finishing. They just couldn't put the ball into the back of the net, albeit Diaby did put the ball in the net and he was he was marginally <clears> offside. But the way we were working was was really really nice, and you know you couldn't. Probably come in at half time and th- and think there wasn't much wrong with with what we did there. We've been tight defensively. Crystal Palace haven't had 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 a shot. We marginalised Eze as as best we can, who is an absolutely sensational footballer. Mm. Just glides with the ball. He's he's absolutely brilliant. But we didn't put the ball in the back of the back back of the net. Now we all know what went on to happen at the, at the end of the game. But what do you put that down to in 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 the first half? Sometimes I guess sometimes teams can just have. A half or a, or a game like that, where it just feels like nothing is going to go in the back of the net, whatever you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a bit of a boring answer, but sometimes that is just how it turns out, isn't it? And you have to just keep pushing and probing and doing the right things um, and having a plan B sometimes to to turn to when it isn't quite going. I thought Watkins looked a little bit frustrated to me. I thought you know he had mm. two good chances, didn't he, in the first half. Um, you know, one that was came about through through an error from from Palace, another one that he forced him, himself. But I think you know credit to him, he was still there in the moments that mattered really late on to win the penalty. Which I know you're you might disagree with me on that this, but I did think that was a little bit fortunate. If it had been given the other way around, <coughs> I'd, I'd probably be here complaining. About yeah, it. yeah. I mean, look, you know, I'm, I'm look, all for taking let's not the, jump ahead the positive though, on. Let's not on, jump ahead though, Greg. Yeah, you were not yet. We'll come <laughs> look, on to the center. He he was he was pushing and probing the whole time. Um, but look, you know, the, the real story of why Villa didn't didn't get ahead was probably because Watkins wasn't finishing off the chances, wasn't it? Um Matty Cash probably missed the missed Oh the, Matty the Cash had a couple, didn't he? Completely yeah, missed yeah. the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he had a header, didn't he, yeah. as well, which he 
probably should have. Actually, Matty Cash could be pushing well. double figures this season already because he, he had a chance in the Liverpool game, had a really good chance in the Newcastle game, scored two against Burnley, scored against Hibs. You know, quite comfortably, Cash could be on five goals so far this season. Yeah, and I think that's what you're going to see, aren't you, from your, from the fullbacks? You know, Dino, another assist. They're going to get they're going to get forward quite regular, um, certainly against a, teams a good like point. This. I noticed yesterday that both fullbacks were bombing on. Yeah. I know we don't say that very often, do we? Want the cash or the right back norm, normally tucks in. They both had the freedom to <laughs> to bomb on yesterday, didn't they? At the same time, yeah, it's really interesting because it's. Uh, I always go back to this um, this example because. <clears throat> Villa played Crystal Palace and Bournemouth back-to-back last season, I think. Uh, well, certainly back-to-back home games. And the game plan for both of those teams was, was completely different. It was a, If you remember Crystal Palace, Matty Cash was getting forward like he, he was yesterday yeah. and got the assist because, because Crystal Palace sit a little bit deeper. Bournemouth, they're seen as more of a, a counter-attacking team that, that get... That get that get forward quite regularly, and that meant that sort of the fullbacks had to sit back a little bit deeper on that occasion. So, literally every game plan's different for for Emery. They have a couple of hours going through video sessions in the week leading up to the to the games, and it will be specific. You know, are the fullbacks going to sit back this week, or are they going to get forward, or are they going to get forward when Villa are one nil up, or when Villa are one nil down, or when it's nil nil after a certain amount of times. There's lots of different phases that that they go through and that they turn to. So yesterday was clearly one of those days where um, the fullbacks were able to get forward. And, and it worked to good effect. OK, Cash missed a couple of chances. Dini did get his assist at the end. Um, but I thought they created some, some decent moments. Cash had to, seemed to just be, when I say about Villa, were manipulating chances and manipulating space. Always seemed to work the ball so that Cash was free on the right. Crystal Palace were fairly compact in fairness. That they were fairly narrow, weren't they? In the, in the way that they'd set up, it, their game plan w- was clear, and, in, and they very nearly <laughs> pulled pulled off the the perfect game plan from from, from their point of, of view. AVFC Stato's just messaged in saying, sitting in a cafe, having a full English breakfast and a cappuccino, enjoying the show. That's a very football Italia from AVFC Stato there with his, with his I like that though. Fair play. Blood. That sounds uh, that sounds nice. I've just had a I've just had my breakfast here. Had a full English today, so that's nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I got no good for a vegan like you, is it? A vegetarian, mate. There's, oh, vegetarian. There's, there's, there's a difference. I'm slightly concerned that I ate meat in hospitality yesterday at, at, at Villa. I, I stopped eating it because I just was like, "This must be meat. It has to be." So I stopped eating it because I because I wasn't sure. Does yeah, it not I, make you sick if you like if you haven't eaten meat for a very very long time? Like presumably you have. Does that not make I you sick not, when you have meat? I've not eaten it for five years. A vegetarian years. was telling me the same story, oh, really? and they, they apparently feel quite. Dirty almost after doing it, right? I mean, in fairness, I'm probably the drink all day and all night. That's probably I actually feel completely fine, which is very, very, very rare for me. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happened. I think after Dublin last week, perhaps maybe I'm just used to used to alcohol now and don't don't need to worry about it. Alberto Solano is playing football manager and watching the show unbeaten in fourteen games with Villa. You can't do both at the same time, Alberto Solano. You got to be football manager. The, the multitasking. Full I like that. Deserves. Uh, multitasking, I like that. I can't do that. I can't, can't. And I've had no breakfast because I got up 14 minutes before the before the show was due to go go live, and I had to. I prioritised sorting sorting Tebo out over myself. So I've had no full English breakfast. That that does sound very very good though. Right, let's go where I've completely forgotten where we were. So half time, it's only football to a T, isn't it? You've dominated the first half. You've not scored. Crystal Palace haven't had a shot. Mm. You kick off. Crystal Palace have the first shot. It goes in. You one nil down, and just the face of the game just completely changes. 
Yeah, it was, it, admittedly, what it did feel like a bit of a concern at that point because you kind of thought, well, is this going to be one of those days where, and Crystal Palace are pretty good at sitting deep and holding teams off. Uh, is this going to be one of those days where it just doesn't go in the back of the net for Villa? And um, fair play to them. They didn't rush it too much. You know, they didn't try and hoof long balls forward. Um, they continued to play the way that Emery wanted them to. Do, do you think that? I thought uh, we were well, a bit, I no, we I were don't a think, bit I don't, frantic. I don't think they were too frantic. I thought they, okay, I thought they did try. I did. Uh, there are times when players take it on their own, themselves to, to try and force it. Um, and... I'll have to look back on the stats to see if there were a few more long balls than not. I think perhaps there were a couple more, but I don't think in general the the, the approach changed too much. I felt like they were pretty calm. Um, okay, a few more balls were pumped into the box a little bit later on, but that's where Villa eventually got their you know their goal from. And if you look at Dini's cross, it wasn't one of his typical on the on the spot sort of. Bang! One touch finish. Mm. Uh, you know, one touch finishing. It's a goal. Sending it up for him. It was almost a bit of a hopeful ball into the box, um, and it was Duran that did all the all the damage from there. A truly, truly wonderful goal, wasn't it? I mean, Benteke, just, just yes. brilliant to watch. Yeah, it was very it similar really to Benteke, was. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had that feel to it. Um, you know, the the way he controlled it and 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 swivelled and, and shot. Uh, the power on the shot as well was similar to Benteke's, wasn't it's it? A joke. Yeah. The power. Absolute um, joke. Were you were you roaring after that one? Were you up? I was up. I was up, yeah. mate. I was up. I, the the one I celebrated the hardest was actually the third because well, I mean, we're skipping ahead, but we obviously we went two one up. But I was still thinking it's probably about fifteen minutes left here. Yeah, because <laughs> the stoppage time situation and how long they looked at it. But the to get the uh, to get the third, that was the one I, I celebrated the hardest. But Duran's goal was absolutely stupendous. The the, the power. Yeah, he didn't actually really go in the corner. I don't think. I've only seen it back a couple of times. It was quite central still, but Sam Johnson just had absolutely no chance because of the, the sheer power of the shot. It was a very, very well-taken goal. And it was interesting, the subs that Emery made, made yesterday. And often you see John McGinn go off, Kamara went off, didn't look massively happy, but the players are going to have to accept that now. We've, we've got a squad, we were losing the game, and he, he, he tried to change it. And then, what was the other, who was the other sub? Completely, Bailey obviously came on mm. as well. And, and scored. So some players came off the pitch who perhaps you would think would, wouldn't usually. And we went to the two strikers up front, Diaby, moves to the left. That's where I felt like it was a, a little bit frantic. Had obviously, Diaby playing in the position. He hasn't been playing the two strikers, natural strikers, which isn't isn't really something that we usually do. Louise was still going forward. And I wouldn't say Tillemans is a natural sitter in the in the two. But I, put, I didn't think Tillemans was brilliant when he came on. But what he did do towards the end of the game, he did try and force things, but in a positive mm, way. He played a couple yeah. of couple of balls that maybe I'm not sure that anyone in our squad would have seen or would be able to play. And it was him that put Watkins through for the, for, for the to, to win the penalty, and that was just like you say about players taking responsibility. Tillemans took responsibility there and, and and played that ball through. It was a real measured pass, and Villa have won a pen, won a penalty out of it. Now you've just said you didn't think it was a penalty. I agree that if it had been given against Villa, I'd think it was it was very very harsh, and I'd probably be sat here complaining about it. But the ref gave it instantly. Var have obviously asked him to go and have a look at it when he's been at that screen for so long, and boy, he was there a, a, a long time checking it. The longer that went on, you just thought he's going to have to stick with his decision here because if he's looked at it for this long, there's no chance <clears> he can <throat> say it's a clear and obvious error. So yeah, credit, yeah. I credit the referee. I'm, look, I'm obviously going to say because it's a Villa penalty, but I do credit him for for being strong. And actually he did kind of follow 
the VAR rules. I imagine Howard Webb will be doing a video on him in in, in a few weeks' time, absolutely raving about mm. what he did. And that, in fairness, that is how it's supposed to be implemented. But I agree, if I was a Crystal Palace fan, I'd probably feel a little bit aggrieved that he got given in the first place. Yeah, I think I have to agree with everything you say. I don't, I don't think it's a penalty. Uh, no, okay. Do I think it's a penalty or don't I? I I'm still, I still can't decide whether I think it's a penalty or not. Which, which is why I have sympathy for, with the officials in that respect. Because if the referee's made a decision and then he's looking at it and he's thinking, not quite sure whether it is, but I think it is. But there's a chance that it isn't. But I've already if made. He hadn't the give, if he hadn't it given it. It wouldn't have got. It wouldn't have got exactly. given. Exactly. That's yeah. the way I think. Yeah. It's just very. It's very very rare. I think from watching you know football all across the Premier League that that um, an official that a referee goes to the monitor and doesn't change. Yeah. It, look, it, 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 you, I'd love yeah. to know the the stats on it, but it's so I often than not one more time. So often than not, they go there and they change their mind. Because that's yeah. almost the reason they've gone there, because it's so close to needing to be changed. He got a lot of the ball, didn't he? But he came through Watkins to, to get the ball. So I can say why the mm. ref has given it. But if I do. That's Esri Conza, if that's Esri Conza yeah, sliding in on Mateta yeah. or Edward, we're, we're sitting here now and we're saying Villa have been done there, haven't they? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. It's, it's it's one of those, it comes down to the initial decision the referee's made. Like I said, if if he doesn't give that, VAR, I don't even think they'll say, go, do you want to go and have a look at the screen? I don't think he mm. even gets called over the screen. I think VAR decide themselves that it's not a penalty. But because he's given it, VAR obviously think this is a little bit dubious here. I'm not sure this is a penalty. But he, they, he's seen something that makes him think it's a penalty, the referee. And like I say, when he spent about, was it five minutes? It was six minutes. In was six yeah, at the six screen? Minutes well, what, with yeah. them making the decision yeah, as well? Yeah, so, yeah, know, it's a long time. It's a so you long can't time say it's clear and obvious, can you? No, it's not clear and obvious, but you know, regardless of what happened, we we can, we can argue, we can discuss and debate it for you know for, for all morning if we want to. But the the, the penalty was, of course, to get to <laughs> the penalty was given, and and look, you know what Villa did from there was impressive, and I think Douglas Louise now as the penalty kick taker, you trust him, don't you? There was Watkins obviously missed a couple, and and the decision was made to to put Louise onto penalty kicks and. And the process behind that is is a long one. You know, it's Villa work on set pieces in training almost every day. Um, they have sp- specific sessions um, where they work on you know pattern uh, various movements and 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 te- um, um, uh, God, what's the word? <laughs> patterns. What did you say? Patterns and what? yeah, like uh, not patterns, not patterns. Various, uh, very, just various movements in you know from corners and, and free kicks. What's the word? I can't think of the bloody word. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Are you baffled me? I'm not sure. After what, what you were anyway, anyway, okay. they, they, they work. They they work on how they're going to take routine. Routine. That's the here we go. Word. So basic. I've had a bit today, haven't I? Um, that's three times. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's live though. <laughs> so yeah, they work on specific routines. That's the word I'm looking for in in the week. Um, Friday, uh, Thursdays and Fridays after session, after the normal training session, they'll have a little bit of extra time going through those routines and working on perfecting them and making sure that various players are in the right positions, that the set piece takers are um, know exactly where they have to put the ball. And penalties are something that they've been working on as well. And, and Villa use data to, to back everything up. So they know which free kick takers are, are most efficient from 
50, uh, from 20 yards, from 25 yards, from 30 yards, and penalties are the same. And they've got um, technology to show that which are the best players, um, how, how the best players are performing from penalties. And across Bodymore Heath, there are little charts that's, that will say Douglas Louise has scored the most penalties in training, Ollie Watkins is second, etc. So there's no arguing over who takes the penalties, who takes the free kicks, because they've got the data and the technology to back that up. Now, Douglas Louise wasn't even a set-piece taker, was he, um, when he first came to Villa in his first season? I don't think he, he took any corners or free kick. Uh, Maybe a free kick, but um, I don't think he, he, he was taking the corners. But when Austin McPhee came into the club, he, he worked on his technique and, and realised that he could be a real threat for Villa. Um, and as you'll see now with Douglas Louise, he has a very specific penalty kick take uh, technique, which he's been working on over time. Um, the same with corners and, and free kicks. And some of the other players, actually, you know, Emi Buendia was making really good progress with his set-piece taking um, before he got injured and, and would have been a, a real threat for Villa this season had he been fit and available and playing. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think just going back to what we've talked about in previous podcasts, you know, there's a there's a, there's a great coaching team at Villa now. We know that Emery, what he does with the with the team um, and what he's done with this squad is brilliant. But just behind the scenes with some of the data guys and the set-piece coach and the anal- uh, analysts that work at the club, they're, up, they're of a really high level now and that's why we're seeing Villa progressing up the table because the departments at Villa are well-stocked with good people. Louise is one hell of a player now. He's got so much to, it, to, to his game and the set-pieces and the penalties just add probably another... 15, 20 million to, to the price that Villa would want if um, if, yeah. if anyone came in for him. He's arguably Villa's most important. I think Villa's top three players at the moment. I don't think Louise and McGinn were brilliant yesterday. Top three at the moment are Martinez, Louise, and um, I've left the eye belts. That's not true. <laughs> what I'm about to say, I completely ignore me. I'm talking absolute rubbish. Villa it's then, good though, isn't it? If you, if you, I mean, if you, so can, think, if you can name in three so or four real stand-up good players, yeah. that's your spine of your team almost. Yeah, Leon yeah, Bailey. Really finished. good start. Yeah, Bailey finished the game off. And you know what? He's been quite productive this season in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. He's got, got a fair few goals. Leon Bailey, Villa managed to seal the game and catch Crystal Palace on the, on the break, which meant that it wasn't a nervy end to the game at all, which was, was absolutely brilliant. So Emery's changed it up with, with three subs there. Where I was sat, we were kind of saying that at the time, I don't think this, the subs coming on have, have made us any better because I think we played well in the first half with the 11 we had on the field. And I, I didn't think we played as well in the second half, but every sub that he brought on made an impact. Duran obviously scored, scored a goal. Tillemans played the pass that, that won the penalty and then Leon Bailey finishes it off. Even just bringing Den Donker on at, at the end just to see the game out. There was no better player to, to finish a game when you're just trying to see something yeah. out than Den Donker because he keeps it so simple and positions himself so well. So all his subs change the game and I've not seen a manager that's capable of doing those kind of things at Villa before. The, the way Unai Emery operates, is just, there's so many different spheres to it. But to, to bring those players on them all, I mean, it's a, in a way, you know, is it is it luck or is it judgment? We, we don't know. But he's he's made those changes and they've they, they've all had an impact. And you know, Stephen Gerrard was crying out for a moment of magic when 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 he was the manager. Emery makes a sub, and you know, Duran comes up with an absolute moment of magic and then the other just the other players all contribute as, as well it's just the, the measure of the manager really yeah and and look the measure of, of Villa's squad as well now I think yeah you, you got to focus more on the manager because he has improved players he's made players that weren't performing very well at Villa look great now you know McGinn was struggling wasn't it look Louise wasn't even playing um Duran's come in and uh you know Emery's been very clear with it with uh, when speaking about him, that he needs time, 
that he needs to be training regularly with the team, um, getting used to various movements that he has to make in a game, sticking to his defensive um, uh, duties when required. And just making the right runs as well, because we, we've heard about all the work that Emery's done with Watkins and how he helped last season, helped him increase his goal talent. But with Duran, it's the same. You know, he came in as a very you know, a young kid, a kid really, a kid with, with just raw with no experience whatsoever. Um, he wasn't even somebody that that Emery was aware of when he came to the club. He didn't even know who John Duran was. You know, this was a club signing, someone that Johan Langer and, and the. Uh, uh, the data team put a lot of time in, into and realised that he, he had a lot of potential and was going to be potentially a very good player. I think we're kind of starting to see that now. You can see a bit more confidence in him. He scored the goals that have given him the boost. And that finish yesterday, fucking hell. I mean, that was just right, it was amazing. Calm down, mate. It's 10.43, dropping F-bombs. It was the, good though, the, wasn't it? If, if ever there was an F-bomb moment, that was it. I, I, I agree. You're very unnecessary from from, from, from you there. <laughs> Excuse me for all the uh, young listeners. For apologies if anyone who's a child is watching watching the show. Absolutely outrageous from from, from Greg Evans. There. I think if there are any child children watching this, don't follow Dan Bardell's style guide because that's a bit more of a concern. <laughs> to be fair, if there's a child watching this, the chances are they've been to Villa Park and probably heard the F word as well. <laughs> but, but, potentially, they'll have heard the F word. Uh, at Villa Park. I know, it's a, I know it's a family club, but there is the odd swear word at Villa Park every, every now and again, isn't there? So that dissects the Crystal Palace game. Now we've got Greg Evans' segment, which I've completely forgotten what it's called, so it's going to be called a different thing every, every week. Press box archive. Greg Evans' <clears throat> press box archive. Let's go, Greg. Yeah, um, I'm hoping that nobody's heard this story before because I have told a fair few people about it previously. So um, not majorly exclusive to the 1874 podcast right now, which is what it should be. But anyway, I thought with Sam Johnson playing yesterday, it'd be, be worth retelling this tale now. Um, this is perhaps more of a, of a tale of, of, of what to do and what not to do in journalism and how to be careful sometimes when slating um, or, or, or overpraising players too much. But if you remember when Sam Johnson joined Aston Villa, Villa were in a bit of a difficult moment in the championship and um, under Steve Bruce, they were struggling. Johnson had made a couple of errors earlier in, early into his, early into his career. If, if, if you remember Dan, yeah. And, I decided to, because I was working for the Birmingham Mail at the time, I decided to highlight all the individual mistakes that Sam Johnson had made, um, write about them in great detail, uh, and basically put Villa's disappointing form down to Sam Johnson's mistakes now. Probably what I hadn't considered was that the reason he was in the Championship at Villa on loan from Manchester United at the time, was it Manchester United? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, from Manchester United at the time was because he'd been out injured for for, for quite some time. He, he needed to go and learn his trade in the Championship. Um, so there were obviously going to be you know a few difficult moments for him early into his career. And I think what we did see with Johnson later on was that he would um, he turned into a decent goalkeeper for Villa, didn't yeah, he? And, he's a good keeper now, and and still is a good goalkeeper. Yeah, you know you don't get in the in the England squad and you don't play regularly in the Premier League if you're not. Um, but yeah, so I remember writing the article. I think it was on a Wednesday, and then we had a press conference on a Thursday. Uh, at Bodymore Heath with Steve Bruce, and at the time it was Gary Walsh who was the goalkeeper at. At Villa and goalkeeping um, coach, a goalkeeping, goalkeeping coach. Sorry, at, at Villa and yeah, I, I, I walked into the toilets at Bodymore Heath just before just before the press conference, and then in came Gary Walsh, and I thought, 
I wonder if that's like, I wonder if he's kind of followed me in here or if it's just a pure coincidence. But anyway, we kind of said hello and introduced myself. And and without without swearing again, he said, oh, you're the guy who wrote about Sam this week. And and I was like, to quickly refresh my brain about what I'd written, because at that point we were asked to do about 30 stories a day. Um, and... <laughs> um, I realised, yeah, it was the, the obviously the one that I'd that I'd written, um, slating him, and he just kind of laid into me for about three or four minutes, um, without me able to say anything back of why I'd written it or anything. But then said, "Look, you've got to give this guy time. He needs time. Come back to me in two months, and we'll have a conversation about how good he's been." And I thought, right, okay, well, we'll see, we'll see. Um, and in a couple of months, he actually had been very good, and I went back to talk to him, and he wasn't interested in talking, so. Don't no. burn your bridges too early in journalism. That's all I should say. I had, I had a similar thing, similar <clears> thing with him actually, because I was doing the Villa View, and you know, I was new to doing this this kind of thing at, at that point, and I was laying into him quite heavily as well. I quite liked Galini, the keeper before him, and I didn't at the time. I was just like, well, this isn't an upgrade because this keeper's making mistakes as well. Everyone was slaying Galini, and then we've signed this keeper that's supposed to be better, and he's doing the do, doing the same thing, and I. Gave him, I gave him a bit, a bit, a bit of stick as well. And later on, I heard from from someone at Villa that he'd he'd, he'd said basically, "Oh, that guy used to absolutely hammer me, but now he's now he's really nice about me, so he's so he's all right." <laughs> the second season, he was brilliant. He probably, I think I voted for him Player of the Season the second yeah. season. So it does show that you do need to give players time. So maybe those that are getting on Power Torres a bit, you know, by the end mm, of the season, mm, we might be mm. saying. You had to go. It's a bit like you know Villa when Emery first came in had to go through teething problems with the new system to get through it and have that season that ended up yeah, finishing yeah. seventh with Pau Torres. We might have to go through these moments now, but in in three months' time, we might be saying, yeah, "Absolutely brilliant! He's acclimatised. He's, he's he's learned. You know, football isn't everyone wants everything instantly, but not everything works instantly. Sometimes things can happen that might cause you pain in the short term, but over the long term, are going to be a benefit for the way the team plays and benefit to the players and, and things like that. And I think that might be where we're at with, with, with power tires. But I think yeah. that's, that's a good story. I've, I've had countless times where I've got in trouble for... for oh, look, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know... I've, I've, I've I've there's a, another great story for you. There's a great story that you've told me that you haven't... That obviously, about someone shouting at you down the phone. That's one of my <laughs> favourite footballing stories ever, that story. I absolutely love it. But I mean, look, you know, that, that, that is journalism. You can't go through, you can't go through a journalism career writing positive stuff about people all the time. It has to be, you know, you can't dress it up nicely. And, and at the time I, I do stick by it in some ways because Johnson was really poor at that point. And, way of doing it though, isn't and, it? And the errors needed to be discussed, but yeah, there is a way of doing it. And maybe, you know, it was a bit of naivety on my behalf. I was, I was relatively young at that point. Um, and you, and you learn, you know, you learn things and, and yeah, it's like Torres now, he, he's open to a little bit of criticism, but there are times that there are things that he's doing in his game that, that are really good. And I look back to Kamara at the start last season. Um, okay. He, he settled in quite quickly after, but his game against Bournemouth, his debut was pretty shocking. You know, he, he, he can, he, he made the most fouls out of any player. Um, he gave away one of the fouls that led to one of the goals, um, I just thought he was pretty sloppy in possession. And then you thought, mm, you know, Villa got the right player here, but clearly, you know, they have. And you, sometimes, sometimes players just need a bit of time. <clears throat> I'm convinced that, that Torres will, I don't know whether he'll be a, a great defender for Villa, but I think he's going to be a big asset in terms of his, his playing style. I just trust the manager. If the manager wants him and thinks that he's going to progress Villa, then that's fine by me. You know, who am I to, to argue with Unai Emery? You know, the guy clearly knows 
exactly what, what, what he's doing. So, yeah, I think that almost does us. Just a few <laughs> people in the chat have said about the 85th, 85th minute fans leaving. My best mate. So he goes, he goes every week. He's got, he was going on holiday flying from Heathrow yesterday. So he said to me before the game, he's like, I have to leave on 85 minutes. I, I never do this, but I've got to leave on 85 minutes. I was saying to him, just give your ticket to someone else. You know, you're going to, I was with all the stoppage time and stuff, you might have to leave on like 70 minutes. Yeah, because it's, it's now a 105 minute yeah. game, isn't it? Yeah, so I said to him, I said to him, just don't go. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm still, still, still going to go to the game. I text, text him after the game saying, what was the score when you left, mate? He, was just, he just texted me about saying, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just felt like those kind of games, like those kind of games, just don't happen, do that. Like they're so Very rare. rare. I, mean, I can't was, remember was three of them yesterday, but <laughs> I can't remember a Villa game in the Premier League ending in that kind of manner, where it's just such a light show and you end up winning the game. The only game I can think of that come close to that is the Sheffield United one, where they were three 0 down, yeah, and they drew three <clears> three. I was more annoyed by that more than anything, actually. That that game that they decided to only play well in the last ten minutes. I don't remember too many games where Villa have rescued a situation like that. I mean, um, look, it wasn't a home game, but Sheffield Wednesday away was, was the champion. Good I, one sorry, I said Premier, Premier League. I'm sorry, oh, I was talking about right, Premier League. Okay. No, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I can't recall Villa having a team that's capable of of doing that kind of thing. It was just unreal. It was brilliant to watch and brilliant to be a part of. Yeah, I feel sorry for you, pal. I hope he got to uh, hope he got to Heathrow on time after all that. I think he did. <laughs> I, I think he did. But I, just the way he texted me, just saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he couldn't believe it when he looked what the, what, what, what the score was. He said he knew it was. He said he knew it was going to happen. He said when as soon as he walked out, he knew he'd miss something. He knew they'd score. I bet yeah, he didn't yeah. think they'd win the, but that. I think we're looking. I think just generally across the Premier League now, you know the 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 four forty p.m. Uh, sorry, four fifty p.m. finish now. Oh, three o'clock kickoff. It's you're looking at sort of five five oh five now, aren't you? Um, it's you know it's a one hundred to one hundred and five minute game now. And I think it's good for the game because we are seeing more goals. Yesterday, you've seen Liverpool turn it around really late. Tottenham turned it around really late. Villa turned it around really late. Hopefully, it will stop these teams. Okay, I know know Sheffield United were really frustrated with the way um, the refereeing decisions that went against them yesterday. But I think the teams that sit back and just try and time waste. And look, to be fair, Villa were one of those last season, weren't they at times? Martinez was yeah. you know, um, a chief contributor towards that. But hopefully it will cut out some of that. That's what it's there for. And hopefully it just gives fans a few more goals to celebrate. If Sam Johnston wasn't hurt and it was a time-wasting tactic, that's come back and cost them. Because the only, yeah. only injury that you can really get away with now is a goalkeeper and he was down for a long time but if that wasn't genuine I'm sure it and the wasn't. penalty wasn't it as well though yeah, yeah. but you know before the penalty being given there was already nine yeah, 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 stoppage yeah, time yeah, wasn't yeah. there and then I don't know how much got I don't. I actually don't know what minute we went to yesterday it must have been crazy 115 minutes I don't know. Do you know, I watched so many games yesterday. Newcastle was right up there as well hunting at over 100 minutes Liverpool was the game that I was at um, yeah yeah Let's go. Thank you to the people that are wishing me happy birthday in the chat, by the way. I don't know how you know it's my, my birthday, but it's, it's very much appreciated. Lovely sort of community we have in the live chat here. Thanks to Greg for joining me and Lee for producing as well. Weird to do it kind of first thing on a, on a Sunday morning, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, Greg. You're free now to go, Greg, and carry on with your day and do whatever it is that Greg Evans does. 
on on a Sunday. Thanks to everyone that's that's tuned in, and thanks to those that are going to go on and listen or watch as well. Before Greg tries to claim that I'm 40, I'm 38, but I am approaching 40 rapidly. It's coming around a lot quicker than I would like. We'll be back with a match preview in the week leading up to the European game, so watch out for that. Stay tuned to our socials, and we'll let you know when that's coming. Alberto Solana says, enjoy your golf, Greg. He just knows. Just knows that that's going to be talking about Mr. Solana. There you go. Is that, are you going? You are going. If the, if the rain holds off, yeah, I'll be there 100%. Okay. Enjoy. I hope you have a, hope you have a good game, Greg. I hope, hope you have a nice day on the golf course. We're going to go now and carry on with our Sundays. Thanks ever so much for watching. Up the Villa. Podcast Network.